Resurrection Celebration Day today. So I'm really excited about it. I hope you feel welcome. I'm glad that you are here. And I'm glad you all dressed the way you wanted to dress. I like to dress up on, on Easter, but I also like to wear my new movement merch. So, you know, this is the kind of church, it doesn't matter what you want to wear, who you are, where you come from. We're just glad that you are here this morning. And so we've been in a series called Mixtape. And how many of you, just by show of hands, grew up in the hip-hop era? Okay, I thought about most of us. We grew up in the hip-hop era back in the day. We know what that's all about. And so we've been presenting, going through the book of Luke, looking at Jesus' life in a different way. And we were looking at, I was looking at it as this radical, you know how when a, uh, back in the day when a hip-hop artist would come out, they'd come out with something new, something fresh. And at least in those days, they had a message. I'm not, again, I'm not going to shout dog out any new new hip-hop artist, but it was a little different when I grew up. And so we I just saw something powerful in the message that Jesus was saying and the way he was bringing this manifesto, this new uh, flip on what the Old Testament was said, or the scriptures that they had in the day. He would say stuff like, you have heard this, but I'm giving you a remix. In other words, he said, you've heard this, but I say this. And he would bring new meaning and new understanding to the same scriptures. And so today, all I, what I've been doing this weekend is just telling the story of Jesus. Friday, we talked about the betrayal of Jesus. We talked about uh, how he felt and what happened uh, when he was crucified. And then yesterday, we talked about how Jesus is a finisher, how he finishes what he started. And today, I really just want to give you hope to show you how much he goes out of his way to, for us to believe. So I'm going to say a prayer real quick, and we're going to begin. Lord, I love you, and we thank you so much for everyone who is here today. And I pray, Lord, that you will bless us as we listen to your words of life. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to start with a familiar scripture. And um, this is probably something you could probably say off memory. For some of you, you have some sort of church background. But it's found in John 3.16. Anybody ever heard that verse before? John 3.16. And uh, it is going to be, sounded probably a little bit different in this particular version, the NLT version. And it reads this way. For God so loved the world. Sorry, I'm saying it from memory because most of us have probably memorized this in King James. Let me read it a little bit better. For God so loved the world, so... I said again, for God loved the world. This is Mike one, by the way. You might have to bring it down just a little bit. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. See, I'm just reading and just saying it, eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. If you never read the Bible again, that is the gospel in one tweet. That's a tweetable version of the gospel. That God came and sent Jesus into the world not to condemn us, not to make us be condemned, but to save the world, to save us. That's the gospel. I don't know what picture of God you have. I don't know what image of church you might have. 
Perhaps you grew up with a perspective of church that God was kind of standing on high with this big red button waiting, but red button waiting for people, you know, like the voice to say, you know, you're going, you're done. Boom, you're done. But God's, God sent his son into the world to do a work. And what I want to encourage you with today is that he goes out of his way so that we would believe. I think one of the hardest things to be as a believer is not to know. It's not to know things. It's not to learn how to be a Christian or what to do. It's really to believe. And I've learned in my own personal life is believing in crisis moments. Because some things make sense when things are going great. Right? Things are awesome. I remember uh, for those who have walked through a pregnancy woman moment, any women in the house, everybody has a birthing plan. Right? Every, everybody says, well, well this, I want this, and I, I don't want an epidural. I want this to be natural. Right? I'm just going to do the breathing. You know, the, the, the guys in there are like, all right, you do the breathing. <sighs> Until the baby comes, right? And it's like, if you don't get that epidural in me right now, we, we're getting divorced. Like, this is over with. You did this to me, right? It's just, it's crisis mode. Uh, the philosopher and great thinker uh, and writer Mike Tyson once said, that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. This is the philosophy of Mike Tyson. <laughs> and it's true. But see, when we hit crisis moments, it's when we're called to believe. And sometimes it's not just believing in a higher power, believing in God. It's believing in people. It's believing that the people that we depend on are going to be there for us. Sometimes it's just believing in ourselves. Just believing in when the moment comes that we are going to be who we want it to be in that moment. And as you look at the crucifixion, the death, and now the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate today, there were some people in Jesus' life that were in a crisis moment. Imagine what it felt for you to follow somebody for years and years and years to see now that this is crashing down. To see the humiliation, the public execution of your leader. To know that someone was innocent and to see them destroyed and to see them humiliated. There was a, there was a terror. There was a disappointment. There was a sense of defeat in the believers in those days. But Jesus goes out of his way. This is what I love about this. He goes out of his way for us to believe. And that's really my whole message today. I mean, this is going to be a short message. I just want to show you in the story of how much Jesus goes out of his way for his followers to believe. And I hope that you hear what I'm telling you, that God will go out of his way for you to believe. I've heard God in some of the, if I told you the times that I heard God the most, it was not when I was in here in my office reading my Bible Right, with a ray of light shining down on me, holding up the word, and a cloud, and little birds chirping outside. That's, it was when I was drunk, right, driving home somewhere when I shouldn't have been, and the Lord was speaking to me, telling me, son, you're going the wrong direction. It was in times when I was doing things, by the way, I wasn't drunk when I was a pastor, let me just make that clear. <laughs> that was not last week. Just making sure, hey, pastor's right, you know, that's right. We are drunk sometimes. 
It was in those moments when I was far away from him. And I feel like that's the times when God would speak to me the most and say that's when he shows up and says, you can't outrun me. You can't leave my side. You can try as hard as you can because I've come into the world to save you. I've not come into the world to lock you up and condemn you. I'm coming to finish the job. And so this is a promise that we have that God will go out of his way for you to believe. Because believing is the one thing that the enemy of the kingdom of God doesn't want you to do. Can you imagine if you started to really believe what God said? What would happen if you really started to believe things like we're the head and not the tail? What if we start to really carry we are blessed and highly favored? What if we started to believe that we were made in the image of God? What if we started to embody this royalty, this promise, this forgiveness that we have? What if we really lived in it? What would it look like for us to come into our places of influence like our jobs or our homes and be a blessing and pour out and give and serve and change the environment simply because we walked in the door? What happened if we started to believe? And the enemy does not want us to believe. And there was a lot of things in the way of the believers in that day from believing. There was a lot of crisis when they saw what had happened to Jesus. So I want to start with this first example of how Jesus goes out of his way, especially for people who already know him and believe. There were a group of disciples that were not always mentioned and publicized in Scripture. They were, if you have to kind of look at it carefully, you have to almost, if you just look at it on the surface, you won't see it. But there was a group of people that Jesus loved to have on his team. And it is, they are women. Yeah, he had some women on team Jesus. And I love what happens here. If we look here at the first scripture I want to show you, which is Luke chapter 24, uh, starting at verse 1. And I think I'm going to read it on the screen with you. But early Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. These are the women who were coming to prepare and really anoint and spice and put these things on Jesus' body. They found that the stone that was covering that tomb had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. Now, I'm just telling you, if I was in the Bible, it would have said they found the stone and Terrence left. But that's why I'm not in the scripture. The women saw the tomb open, and there must have been some sisters in there and said, I know ain't nobody messing with Jesus in here, right? Must have been some sisters in that group. So they, they walk in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood puzzled, two men appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive, right? This is not a good time for the angels to be cracking jokes, right? To be trying to be, be funny. They're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Why are you looking for someone who's dead, who's alive? He is not here. He is risen from the dead. Now, he reminds them, remember what he told you back in Galilee. I want to encourage you with something right here. That there's a lot of times in your life where God will give you a word before you go into the next season 
of disbelief or a season of crisis, that God will plant a good word in you. And all he really needs to do is remind you of what he said, because he had told them, I'm going to rise from the dead, that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. They then remembered that he had said this. But this is what happens, right? Because they could have remembered and said, nah, I don't believe it. But what happens? They remembered he had said this. So they rushed from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. So I want you to think about this. Do you think that Jesus knew that these women were coming to check on him? Now, other other different versions have uh, the record that Jesus spoke uh, to the women. Whether, whether he spoke to them or whether the angels showed up, Jesus was intentional to make sure that they believed. He said, he's probably got lots of things to do. I don't know what you do when you rise from the dead. I don't know what you do. I don't know what the next first steps are. But he says, I'm going to make sure that these women have something and someone there to encourage them. So they believed. They believed what he said. They rushed, and then he gives a list. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. They rushed to where the men were, and he told them. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, usually, right? Come on, guys. You're messing up. So they didn't believe them. Now look at the difference here. Here are the women who showed up, and angels spoke to them, gave them, and encouraged them. They were people who knew Jesus, and they believed, and they were reminded and strengthened. They run into some men who walked with Jesus every single day. They knew Jesus, but they didn't believe. And Jesus sent these women to tell them, and they're like, no, this is nonsense. What are you talking about? Uh, actually, this is what Jesus has been saying the whole time. Verse 12 says, however, Peter, this is one of Jesus' best friends, jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. He said, I got to go see this for myself. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Other version says that what he was wearing, his grave clothes were neatly folded. So, parents, you can use this scripture for your teens to clean their room. So, Peter rushes in. He sees it for himself. He says, Jesus is not here. Jesus goes out of his way to send an angel to the women. And then he sends the women to the disciples. And then when Peter rushes to go to the tomb, he leaves evidence in the tomb. Now, what's interesting is, I don't know, the, the scripture doesn't record that the women saw the linen first. They went inside. They didn't see, they didn't claim that they saw the linen, but the linen was there when Peter got there. Now let's go to the next scene. This jumps down a little bit here in verse 13. The same day, two of Jesus' followers, so these aren't even the top uh, disciples that followed you. This is people who were following Jesus. They were walking to the village of Aramaeus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. This is Sunday morning. They're leaving Jerusalem. I'm like, man, this was just a horrific day for a horrific weekend. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came 
and began walking with them. Now, this is resurrection morning. Doesn't Jesus have some things to do? Like, I would, you know, if I was Jesus, this is why I'm not in the Bible. Like, I would have gone to, like, Caesar, and I would have scared the mess out of him. You know, I would have scared all the priests. I'm like, ah, you know, woke him up. Oh, you think you can kill me? Ah. And I would have been pranking everybody, right? But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is walking along two random disciples as they're walking away from Jerusalem. Two random people just talking about the weekend. Jesus shows up and begins walking with them. But here's what's deep. God kept them from recognizing him. Do you realize there's some time in your life when Jesus was walking alongside of you and you didn't recognize it? Might have been in the form of a grandmother or a best friend, right? Or someone who was speaking words of life into you. There are times when Jesus is walking with you and you don't realize it until it's over. You don't realize it to the end that Jesus was there walking with me. He was with me. He goes out of his way to give us an opportunity to believe. They didn't recognize him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Jesus just strikes up a conversation. They stopped short, sadness written on their faces. Then one of them said, Cleophas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all about the things that have happened here, there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was the mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Can you hear the despair in their voices? Can you hear the sadness? Can you hear the disappointment? Can you hear the uneasiness? It's not that they're walking around saying, well, that was it. I guess we're going to move on to something else. They're still wrestling with this unbelief. They're still wrestling with maybe we thought he was the one. And in their minds, the death of the Messiah was not a part of the plan. Well, what happens? Jesus begins to speak. Uh, He talks to them. I'm just skipping up to verse 27 now. They've been talking. Jesus is talking. And so then Jesus breaks it down. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus gives them a Bible study as they're walking to, uh, on this road. By this time, they were nearing the place they were going, Aramaeus, at the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on. He's like, I'm going to keep on going. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. And so he went home with them. Are y'all, are y'all seeing this? Like, doesn't Jesus have something else to do? Like, this is just blowing my mind, the fact that he's taking up his whole Sunday, (laughs) resurrection day, on a random road with two random believers who are walking, spending time with them. They don't know who he is. He's acting like he's going somewhere else. And what do they do? They invite him. Come with us. And so he says, all right, I'll come chill with you guys. What you guys doing? So he sits down. Jesus is, he's, he's, 
it's not a prank. I won't call it a prank. But Jesus is setting this up because he wants people to believe. He sits down to eat. He took the bread. He blesses it. Then he broke it, and then he gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open. They're like, wait a minute. Could you imagine how they were watching him do it? Wait a minute. He's breaking it like, no, I, I recognize that. And their eyes are open, and they recognize this. Now, look what Jesus does. At that very moment, he disappeared. <laughs> what are you doing? Jesus, what are you doing? They're like, it's Jesus. He's like, boop, I'm gone. See, it's interesting how Jesus will use these moments that you have connected with him. These moments that are familiar to you. May not be familiar to other people. But Jesus will go out of his way. And there are some times when we don't see him or we don't feel like he's there. He disappears. But there's a purpose behind it. Let's keep going. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us along the road and explained the scriptures? They said, I recognize that feeling that we have been with Jesus. And with their hour, and within the hour, they went back on their way to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples, they found them, and the others who had gathered with them. So these guys start walking to those 11 disciples who said, the Lord is really risen. He appeared to Peter. So then let's go to one more scene. First Luke 24, verse 35 through 43. Again, I just want to tell you this story. Then the two of, from Aramaeus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them, how he walked along the road, how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing among them. Jesus shows up. Now, he's walked through the walls. I mean, Jesus is just this glorified, risen Jesus. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Now, look, these were the eleven. These were the guys who had spent their time with Jesus every single day. He had told them what was going to happen. But even people who are close to Jesus, even people who have been in the church a long time, there's some things that can be so crushing and so devastating that it's hard to believe. There's some things that you say, I never thought I would lose my dad. I never thought I would, I, ne I thought God was going to heal them. I never thought this person would leave me. I never thought I would face this tragedy. And there are some people in church who can never seem to overcome those things. But Jesus just doesn't say, well, I hope you figure it out. Come on, I told you. Duh, what's wrong with you? Jesus doesn't take that attitude. He says, I'm going to go out of my way so that you can believe. And so they're startled. They're like, it's a ghost, the ghost of Jesus, right? He's haunting us, right? Because they're feeling guilty. They're feeling guilty for betraying him. They're feeling guilty for running away. They're, they're, they no, don't even realize that Judas, one of the 11, 12, has, has hung himself. Like, it's all crazy. It's all chaotic. They're scared. Jesus says this, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Now, Jesus is not just asking a question 
just to, you know, he's, he's trying to get them to identify. What is the doubt coming from? Can you pinpoint what it is? What is the problem? He says, look at my hands. What's interesting about this scripture and other scriptures in the Bible, it says that even though when we go to heaven and God restores our bodies and makes us brand new, the only imperfect person that will be in all eternity will be Jesus. He'll be the only person with scars. Everyone else, no glasses. Get your hair back. Come on, guys. Right? You get your muscles. I'll be taller than you. Stuff like that. Right? All that's going to happen, but Jesus will be the only one for all eternity to say, look at my scars. Look at my scars. He says, look, guys, look at my hands. Pulls up his robe. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. He says, if that's not enough, touch me. Make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies, as you can see that I do. He says, touch me. Some people still don't believe. So he spoke. He showed them his hands and feet. Some people are still doubting. They stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, and you, you guys are kind of slow. You're kind of stuck on stupid here. Let me help you out. Do you have anything to eat? Got a pizza? Got, a, got some tacos? What you got? You got something? You got some fish? Okay. Do you have anything to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he ate it as they watched. They're watching Jesus. So you got to understand, their hearts were so devastated. Their hearts were so broken. There were so many emotions that filled them. They never thought they'd see their Savior crucified. And they never thought that he would be betrayed. And they never thought that in a crisis moment, they would walk away. They all thought we'd stand for you. They all thought we'd be there for you to the end. They all thought they believed, but there was doubt inside of them. And it was so deep. Sometimes when you've gone the highest, you fall the farthest. Jesus is like, just give me a piece of fish. Give me this BK fish sandwich. And let me show you. And he ate. And they couldn't believe it. The Bible goes on to say that they rejoiced. They were filled with joy. Their eyes were filled with tears as they saw that this really was Jesus who kept his promise to us. What I want to tell you is that Jesus will go all out. He'll go all out for you. He'll make every provision, every step for you to believe. You may not believe in by a sermon. You may not believe going to church, but he will do everything he can. Sometimes he will appear to you in places you don't don't realize that it's him, but God has sent someone to you. God has sent somebody to you to come alongside of you to help you believe. Here's one of my favorite scriptures in Romans chapter 9, verses 10, or Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. The Bible says it very simply. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is not just a theological thing. It's not just for you to believe something theologically. What it's saying is if you believe that he has the power to save you and that he wants to save you, even though you don't even deserve it, he says that salvation 
that Jesus doesn't have to make a decision to give you. He's already decided. This is something he already wants to do. He just wants you to acknowledge that he is your Savior. And for, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That text does not tell you that it is about how many times you come to church. It doesn't tell you how much Bible scriptures you can quote and memorize. It's not talking about behavior because what you believe will dictate your behavior. If you believe that God doesn't love you, you'll act like God doesn't love you. But God's just trying to communicate to you that I will go out of my way. I'll go all out for you to believe. And when you believe, just believe in your heart. That's the only thing I want. If you can just give me a place to sit in your heart, I'll prove to you that I'm God. I'll prove to you that I love you. I'll prove to you that there is no mountain that I'm not willing to move for you. All you've got to do is declare with your mouth that I'm saved. All you have to do is declare that Jesus made the decision and I'm going to agree with him. I'm going to move everything else out of my way and out of my life to give him priority to lead my life. So the story of the resurrection is a powerful one. That says, Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to go all out. And what I love about this is what he does he only sticks around for a couple days, about 40 days. And then he does the Russell Wilson read option and he passes it to his disciples and says, now you take the ball and you're in charge. And believers from that day on have been charged with sharing the gospel and, and showing people to believe, not just by evidence, not just by some scripture, by what happened to you. And I can stand in front of you today by telling you I am, I was a wreck, I was a mess, I was messed up, and it was only because God did not give up on me. He says, Terrence, I'm going to go through every step I need to go through for that you can believe in me because he believes in me. He said I was worth dying for. I want to tell you today that you were worth dying for. Jesus says, I believe in them. doesn't matter what everybody else says about them. I believe in them. And I'll go out of my way to show them how much I love them. And so that's the message that I wanted to share with you. And there might be someone today that just says, you know what? I need a little extra help today to believe. Would you just simply just pray for me? I just need a little extra help. Maybe you're just starting out in your faith. And don't be intimidated by that. There's a lot of people who go to church and they're just starting out too. They know a lot of stuff, but they don't really believe. They know a lot of scripture, but they don't truly believe what it says. And so when it comes to Jesus, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody. This is not a competition. This is not a comparison. This is for you and him, wherever your relationship is with him. He just wants you to start believing. He says, well, I want you to believe I can bring that relationship back. I want you to believe I can teach you how to raise those kids. I can teach you how to be financially sound. Just give me the opportunity to lead. So I want to pray for someone today who might need just a little bit of extra help. If you don't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes. And I just want to give someone an opportunity who might need it. 
just an extra help. If that's you, would you be so bold? I'm asking you to do something really bold. Just be so bold as to raise your hand in the air. Nobody's looking. Nobody's watching. God bless you. I see you. I see your hand. Oh, look at those hands going up. You should see how many hands are going up. Wow, God bless that. I just want to pray uh, for you this morning, this afternoon. Father, I pray for the hands that are going up, including my own. Lord, we're asking you to help us believe. Help us believe that you love us and you'll go out of your way to prove to us that you love us. I pray right now for you to build up the belief in people's heart. I pray right now that you'll build up in them the power and the strength to believe what you say about them. I pray that you forgive us for the times that we have tried to lead ourselves and lead ourselves in directions that have been destructive. And I pray that today as we celebrate this resurrection day, this Easter moment, that even now our lives would begin over, that we will start afresh, that we will start brand new, that we'll live new lives filled with the power of God. Thank you so much for this moment today. May it be strong in our hearts. May we leave here with the power to believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's celebrate those hands that have gone up, that have gone high. And so today, what we wanted to conclude with, is we wanted to conclude with a song. Normally, we go into something different, but we wanted to conclude with a song to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive and that he's risen. So I'm just going to start with the tag of this song, and then we'll, that we're playing, and I'll do this tag, and then we'll do it for real. So if you know this song, would you stand with us and sing it?